What is up and welcome in to episode 100 of the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me as always, Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, we don't really have anything extra to bring our listeners this week, uh, being that it's episode 100, but we do have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, maybe we, I don't know, maybe we, we talked about last week that maybe we'll do something uh, to celebrate the 100th episode a little bit later on. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Schedules are busy. It's a busy time for soccer. A lot of uh, actual soccer content to get to and talk about. But uh, we made it to episode 100. And um, just guess just going to be a normal, regular episode. But um, yeah, thanks for joining me once again. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better, actually, from last time in terms yes. of uh, my, my, my COVID situation. Um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll figure something out. I think, to be honest, I think it would be on brand and extremely funny to have, like, episode 113 titled the 100 episode special or something. And, like, <laughs> the, yeah. very, but, be very but, uh, but we'll figure something out. But yeah, for now, for now, just lots of lots of soccer to talk about, which is which is okay too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we get started, if you haven't uh, subscribed to the podcast, please do. Let's you know when we drop a new episode of 10K, but also let's you know when we drop a new episode of Post Loons. In addition to the weekly podcast, here we also have a Minnesota United post game podcast that we do after most every MLS match. No Post Loons after the uh, Everton friendly on Wednesday night, but this will act as the post-game show for the Everton friendly as well. Um, so obviously a lot to get to there, but yeah, so it's not necessarily on a cadence. Obviously the new episodes of 10 K drop on Fridays, but uh, new episodes of post loons dropping after every match and there are different matches on different days. So you got to get subscribed to have that show up in your feed. Also feel free to support us over at sodasoccer.com. It's your new home for soccer coverage in the North. Uh, Dominic Jose Bazonio, my co-host, Jacob Schneider, John Marthaler, Eli Hoff, um, Carter Hoffer, Adam Grunwald, just a great group of guys here who are putting out some really good content, kind of covering every corner of the Minnesota soccer world. So make sure you uh, help us out there by checking out sodasoccer.com. But also, if you want to support what we're doing, feel free to uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash sodasoccer is where you can go. And um, when you go there, you can be a patron for you know minimum three dollars a month you don't have to pay very much to help support what we're doing and help us out there on patreon.com slash soda soccer if you do subscribe to our patreon you'll get a shout out both on social media and here on the podcast as well and that's the very minimum so no matter what tier you subscribe to you'll get those shout outs but also uh, the higher the tier you go the more content you'll get. For example, if you subscribe to our $5 tier, you will get our episodes of 10K Stoppage Time, which drop uh, at the same time as our episodes of 10,000 Pitches, just a little extra content as a thank you for helping us out and supporting us where we really go in-depth on one topic in the world of Minnesota soccer. This week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time will be all about the rumored new signing for Minnesota United, Mender Garcia. He's a striker. And, um, that's, that's all we'll give you now. We'll, we'll save the rest of his profile, uh, for 10 K stoppage time. So make sure you check us out there as well. If you want to support what we're doing, but this week, Dom, a lot to get to on the show. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Shall we? Um, 
We were going to start with Minnesota Aurora. I, I'm not going to lie. We had Minnesota Aurora slated first on the notes. But then the Loons went and slapped a Premier League team in a friendly. And you know what? That's uh, that's the big topic right now as we're recording on Thursday. So we're going to jump into that. We'll get all about – we'll get to Minnesota Aurora and their amazing run to the USLW League Championship game in just a little bit. But we are going to kick off with the Loons. And we're going to go a little bit backwards here. We'll go. To, we'll get to the D.C. game after we talk about this Everton friendly. Because I feel like this is what everybody's talking about, not only here in Minnesota, Dom, but nationwide, even worldwide. Um, one of the more, I would say maybe, and, and people are, there's a lot of different reactions to this. But I think all in all, one of the more embarrassing results for a Premier League team, when you're looking at Everton, Everton's perspective, um, that we have seen to be honest, as the final goes 4-0 at Allianz Field, just your initial reactions to the match itself. Yeah, uh, well, my initial reaction was I had no idea that was about to happen. Yeah. Uh, as, as that, especially at halftime when it's 3-0. Um, yeah, you know, look, I don't think there's anything like wrong with a, a team, a, a notable European team or British team coming to the U.S. and maybe losing the game they play, I think, you know, that happens. You're not going to be informed. You're in the middle of, of prep for a season. Um, but <laughs> to start, you know, Everton started a pretty good lineup to that game. I mean, it, it was, was basically their first team, give or yeah. take a few pieces. Yeah. Uh, to do that and then get stomped uh is is a rough look <laughs> it's a really rough look for a team that obviously there's a lot of sort of tension around because last year went very badly and there's expectations to not do that this year um or this season rather so yeah i mean just kind of a wild result for both sides i think uh some good notable performances from different minnesota united players um, certainly a great experience, I'm sure, for them to to get that sort of result, albeit, you know, obviously they have to make sure that they have those sorts of performances in league play for it to, mm -hmm. to matter in the sort of grand scheme of things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Minnesota United has has tried to bring in sort of a higher level of, of club for these international friendlies the last couple of years. Um this is perhaps the the biggest team that we've seen them play, at, at least in terms of the current place they're in. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they really showed up. They showed up in a way that Everton simply did not. And and that's that's uh, what when you have when you have some of these MLS teams that played European sides this week losing by four or five goals. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, certainly a nice moment in terms of evaluating the potential of the team and the spirit of the team um, to, to see them show up like this, even if the result obviously does not, you know, indicate anything about where the team is going in competitive play. Uh, again, it's a really cool, reassuring moment to see those players able to do what they did against, you know, the likes of DCL and Jordan Pitford and, and Decore and all these guys that you know, if you watch the Premier League, you know they're they're almost household names in the Premier League. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, R really cool 
um, experience for Minnesota United, one that I hope that they can, you know, find a way to translate now into the next, you know, five to 10 league games in terms of momentum. Yeah. And as you mentioned, all those guys pretty much started for Everton in this match. You had, you know, Anthony Gordon, Alex Wobie, DCL, Jordan Pickford, all in that first team and more. Um, and so this wasn't Minnesota United's A team against Everton's C team, as people are trying to indicate on social media. Um, this was this was pretty much A team to maybe A minus team for Everton, if you want to give it that little sure. bit of a leeway. Um, but yeah, goals from Reynoso uh, off a of PK, um, an own goal that made it 2-0. Amaria makes it 3-0 before half. And then um, uh, Al- we get Alan Benitez in in the second half, and he assists the fourth goal, which came off the foot of Abu Dunladi. So a lot to be optimistic about at this one. Um, I just put out a tweet um, earlier this morning about a few of the things uh, that I was just thinking about this morning as I woke up and was just sort of reflecting on the match last night. First of all, it was such a great atmosphere to be in. Um, I, you know, I do these post-loons post-game shows from my basement, so I don't really get to go to Allianz Field that much. It's actually the first time I had gone to a Minnesota United match as a quote-unquote fan since their playoff loss to the Galaxy in 2019. I had gone to uh, quite a few home matches in the 2020 regular season as media, um, you know, when there was no uh, no fans in attendance. Um, I had gone to the U.S. men's national team friendly earlier this season. I had gone to uh, a couple of other U.S. friendlies that were there um, or excuse me, U.S., um, I guess it wasn't a friendly, it was a uh, Gold Cup, but a few of the other U.S. men's and women's national team matches that have happened at Allianz Field since as well. Um, but this was my first time in a Loon's environment as a fan in, in quite a long time. And the atmosphere was was pretty incredible. You could tell, you know, there were Everton fans there, there were crossover fans there, Minnesota United fans, the, the Wonderwall was really out in full force, which was awesome to see, you know, a night where you may have, you know, understood if they wanted to quote unquote, take a night off, if you will, from the, from the jumping up and down and the banging and stuff, maybe, maybe relax and taking the match from another perspective, but man, they were out in full force um, as well. So it was just a really cool environment. So that was the first thing I was thinking about. But secondly, the loons came out with this like confidence and swagger, which I don't know. I didn't necessarily expect the opposite, but I definitely didn't expect that when you're coming in facing a Premier League team. I thought it would be very understandable if they were a little tight, a little nervous maybe, you know. But they were definitely the more, I think, confident team coming into this one. They looked at a lot of great work on the ball. You know, when logic would indicate that when you go into a match like that against a team like Everton who's been in the Premier League, you know, for forever pretty much yeah um that you know there would be some moments that would make the crowd go ooh ah you know really open their eyes and be like oh that's some quality that's some quality football quality soccer right there um you would indicate that that would come from the premier league team right yeah but it was really minnesota united that was making those moments happen there were some there were some points on the ball where you know they're they're running down the the flank and cutting it into the middle and just leaving an everton defender in the dust you know, breaking their ankles and the crowd is going, Ooh, you know, and it's, it's the loons who were schooling the toffees in that particular situation. That was, I mean, really eye opening to see, and uh, obviously brings a lot of optimism. Um, secondly, for those 15 minutes, he was on the pitch. 
uh, Mano Reynoso was noticeably the best player on that field, um, yep. at least in the best form, if you will. Um, he was he was making things happen, doing doing Ray things um, in the middle of the pitch, not letting anybody get him off the ball. Um, you know, obviously scoring the penalty too. Um, so hopefully he's okay. And all indications that he wasn't limping after the match. Uh, so hopefully he's good to go moving forward. And the prognosis isn't bad for him because he did have to come off in the 15th. He was limping a little bit. I think that was more just a, a precaution more than anything. Adrian Heath not wanting to take any chances with his star number 10, which you totally understand. Um, and then another thing that, that came to mind was that I thought the second team was absolutely brilliant in the second half. Um, and that to me is where uh, I think the most confidence can be brought. Sure. Maybe Everton's second team was, was not in great form and did not look very good at all. But I think the shift that Minnesota United second team put in a team who, for the most part, these are guys who ride the bench for the loons. So who maybe don't get a lot of form in, uh, in professional matches the way that some of these MLS next pro players might. Uh, but a player who really stood out to me was Alan Benitez um, on the right side. And maybe that's just because that's where I was sitting with him right in front of me. But his activity in the second half was great. He was tracking defensively really well. He was getting forward in the attack. Obviously, he he assisted on the goal, sending in some nice passes, some nice long balls that found Minnesota United players. So I thought he was pretty excellent as well and sort of really was an exclamation point on how good that second team was. And, of course, that second team did include Emmanuel Iwe who made his first team debut for the Loons in the second half. So I think it was a really good opportunity for Minnesota to get a lot of guys in the match, but to see how much pretty much all those guys were able to contribute against however you want to say about the performance, a team like Everton, it's, it's just brings a lot of uh, confidence and optimism about what this team could bring moving forward, not just with their starting 11, but with their depth that has been called into question quite a bit lately. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a great point that there was a lot of, quality off the bench um shown in that second half against you know like you said the 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 second half team from everton did not look great either although they did concede two less goals uh but uh at the same time everton's backups should always be beating minnesota united's backups so um it's probably going to be competing with a team like minnesota united starters right right we're still being honest right on paper that's how it should be so Mm -hmm. um so you know that 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 that's a huge show of quality from from Minnesota United's backups, um, which which yeah was this kind of mix of uh, Minnesota United two guys and guys that are usually on the bench at MLS. Uh, I do know some people were interested in the fact that that Tyler Miller was not a uh, part of that, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it, I, I was impressed. Alan Benitez was impressive. Obviously gets that assist. That's encouraging. Certainly. Um, albeit in sort of a, a vacuum, showed uh, some stuff that that makes you think, okay, you, you know, there's probably going to be some real competition between him and and DJ Taylor to figure out what this team looks like um, on the on the right lane on the right side. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that, that's all really encouraging. Really cool for Emmanuel Ua to to get that exposure, get his first team debut, and have it be against a team like Everton. Um, that that that's really awesome really awesome a guy that about a year ago didn't have a pro contract so that that's um that's that's the dream really uh yeah and you know i i think 
and I, I think we're going to go into this more maybe a little later, but, uh, you know, obviously this game had a lot of reactions, a lot of reactions all over the place. And mm-hmm. I, I think that there were hyper-negative, hyper-positive reactions. You know, there's reactions saying, like, this game, the fact that this game happened and how it happened, et cetera, doesn't matter at all. There's people saying that this means that <laughs> Minnesota United is going to win the league now. Uh, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Adrian Heath should get a 10-year extension. I think I saw some people joking about that kind of stuff. Um, the, the reality is somewhere in the middle, right? This is a really encouraging result. This is a really encouraging show of, of quality and ability from this Minnesota United team. That, to me, is a great, great thing. I think there's validity to the point some people have made, which is if you're going to show up at a, in a friendly against Everton, you got to show up in a cup match against Union Omaha, yeah. right? Union, Union Omaha actually were teasing on Twitter about that, about how they had a better record against United than Everton. You know, there, there, there's things to be said from, from all sides on this, of how to feel about this game. And there's, there's validity in, in multiple corners. And, and so it's just about navigating that. Uh, we're right away going to be jumping back into what to think about it, about this team, because we got that Houston Dynamo match in a couple of days. Um, but again, I, I think there's plenty of, of, of positives to take away from this. Yes, this Everton team was not in full competitive form like they would be, say, you know, five, six, seven weeks into the Premier League season. But even out of form, this team should probably be beating any MLS side, especially one that is not necessarily amongst the most elite in MLS by many people's opinions. Um, so the fact that the Loons were able to figure that one out, the fact that Adrian Heath was able to figure that one out, it's it's really cool and it's encouraging. And you have a lot of young guys getting really big moments. Um, you got guys like, you know, I, I imagine someone like Luis Amaria, who's still kind of redeveloping his confidence in front of goal, obviously has been doing better uh, in that regard in, in league play in the last couple of weeks. You get a goal against a team like Everton. I'm sure that helps, you know, edge that up a little bit. He also sort of helped create the the own goal before that in the sense that he created the pressure for the defender to, to turn it in. So, you know, having a good performance from him, I'm sure helps him. Uh, so, yeah, again, lot, lots of positive. Uh, by the way, you know, someone like if you're a Dane St. Clair, you kept a clean sheet against a Premier League side against guys that are like starting for England. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that certainly doesn't hurt. So there, there, You technically there's... outplayed England's number one goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford. Yeah. So. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, again, I think there's lots of positives. I think it's, it's definitely – true that you got to keep them in the context of, of what this game was but i think there's a lot of positives top to bottom at the very least just in terms of like hey this is a great way for this player to move forward and, and find some momentum and find some form so um really cool that that this this game happened that this performance happened i think it sets a i think this game both because of who they were playing in the first place and then how it went sets sort of new expectations for what Minnesota united will do in the the mm-hmm. friendly breaks for the next couple of years um, in terms of who comes, how those games go, this sort of sets an interesting expectation. Uh, but yes, yeah, again, just a, a, a really cool night for Minnesota United, a not very cool night for Everton, no. uh, but uh, but a great chance for the Loons to, to try some things, learn some things, and, and hopefully be uh, better prepared for, for the really important sort of second half of the season they have sitting in front of them. 
and this isn't necessarily relatively important to what this could potentially do for them as it pertains to the MLS schedule moving forward and, and confidence and maybe how they uh, perform in the latter part of the season here. But this also puts Minnesota back in like that national, even international conversation right now. Right. Like, like people are like getting introduced and, and looking up who Minnesota United is. I have to imagine Google searches for Minnesota United are like through the roof right now. Right. Um, so it, it puts you on a bit of a pedestal a little bit in terms of the national, even international soccer scene. Um, because even in the, in the, in the lens of MLS, you know, anytime I listen to extra time or, or MLS today, which those guys do an excellent job with, usually the only Minnesota United conversation is, well, they blew another second half lead or, you know, <laughs> what, what's going on in Minnesota. Right. So this kind of like really puts a lot of like positive PR a little bit um or or brings a lot of positive pr for minnesota and if they can follow this up with a really good performance in the latter part of the season you know maybe finish in the top four in the west host a playoff match um i think that can do a lot for just minnesota united's notoriety um moving forward as well as soccer itself continues to grow in america but all in all just i think one of the one of the coolest nights that that minnesota united has ever had um dominating a premier league team like that and, and with that environment at allianz field so um yeah, hats off to uh, to the loons and everybody involved in making that happen. That's uh, just a really cool thing. When you look back, you know, on, uh, you know, big moments, uh, marquee moments in Minnesota United's history, this is going to be right up there for sure. Um, so let's hit the rewind button a little bit and talk to a game that actually counted in the standings. Um, and it was another clean sheet for Minnesota United. Uh, they cruised past D.C. 2-0. Emmanuel Reynoso with the brace. Um the only real um, negative from this match came in the 20th minute with Will Trapp um, going down for the second time in the match. He comes limp- limping off the pitch. Um, and then Joseph Rosales comes on for Trapp um, after that. Uh, initial indications, the initial prognosis from Adrian Heath uh, in the post game said he did not look good. Um, and I believe that we did get word from our own Jacob Schneider that the official prognosis is three to five weeks for Trapp. Um, with a hamstring issue. So um, hopefully he is able to uh, you know, recuperate and get back on the pitch um, as soon as possible for the Loons because this is a team that's kind of already a little bit thin in the defensive midfield department with missing Ariaga, who hopefully will be back now sooner rather than later. Uh, but right now it looks like your starting midfield is Robin Lud and Joseph Rosales. Uh, assuming both of those guys can stay healthy moving forward. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. I'm not dismissing that by any means, but definitely not your ideal starting midfield. Um, and we'll see how, how they can work together moving forward. Um, but that really was the only negative because it was Amaria and Reynoso combining twice for the two goals. Uh, the first one came in the 13th, the second one in the 50th. Um, and it was, it was Minnesota's first clean sheet since a 3-0 win over Chicago on April 23rd. So a lot of positives to take from this one. Obviously, D.C. was a very, very depleted and uh, also seemingly disinterested team coming into this one. You thought maybe a bit of a, just a, a boost in, uh, in confidence or effort would come from signing Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney was in the house, although not on the sideline for D.C. quite yet, but he was up in one of the sweet boxes. And he got to see um, the uh, the team that he has to work with and potentially you know build from the ground up here in D.C. Is um, while it was a great performance for Minnesota, D.C. brought nothing to the table 
um, really showed why they're last in the league. Yeah, it was not not uh, a good performance from DC. I, you know, you saw they ended up playing um, Bayern Munich this this weekend friendly, and and the team that played that game was also almost a completely different team. Um, I, I think that's just a, a, a club that is in a <laughs> very interesting point of transition. But um, but you know, look, it's Minnesota United's job in that sort of game to get points. Uh, you know, we saw what a week before. Uh, Minnesota United arguably failed to do that against a sporting Kansas City side that are not in the exact same situation, but are in an, a similar situation in terms of that point in transition, having a tough season. Uh, so, you know, Minnesota had a job to do on, on the night. That was, it was not an automatic result. And, uh, and they figured it out through, through some really nice magic between Amaria and Reynoso. Uh, Really interesting to see that relationship continue to develop in this case with Amaria actually being sort of the chance creator and, and Reynoso being the finisher. Um, and, you know, I, I think that seeing those two guys perform as well as they did, it's a reminder of how important they are. And I think in terms of the Houston game that we have, that is coming up, it, it does, uh, if the Houston, how do I put this? Because Reynoso came off against Everton, it does, you hope that that Houston game, that everyone is ready to play. Because if they're not, it's, it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't think. But if they're not, and then Minnesota United drop points at Houston, then there becomes a new tone about this Everton friendly, about, you know, who should have been playing and that sort of thing. Um, but because obviously Minnesota started a very strong 11. Um, but, you know, Again, that that's for the future. We we simply don't know yet who's going to be playing that Houston game. So, um, on the night against DC, impressive. To be honest, should have probably scored more, but that's that's all right. I mean, you get a clean sheet, you get a couple of goals. That's that's not a bad thing. Uh, and uh, you know, Minnesota United looked like you said largely unbothered by um, the resistance that DC United put out. But at the same time, we've seen Minnesota. Minnesota United arguably dropped points against teams of a very similar state. So, um, uh, you know, again, nothing's automatic in soccer. So uh, good to see the Loons get the job done, get a couple points that they really needed, keeps them in the upper part of the table, uh, which is where they need to be right now. And, uh, yeah, you know, these two games set an interesting tone for what we need to expect out of this Houston Dynamo game, uh, which is, again, I mean, really every game right now is a big game. Uh, with the, the 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 tight points pack that's developed sort of from the mid table of the, of the West Conference, so uh, hopefully we see the the positive two results, one competitive, one one not. Hopefully we see both of those transition into or translate rather into you know something usable on the road uh, against the Houston Dynamo again. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it's 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 been a good week for for the team. Uh, which is something that hasn't we haven't been able to say too often, and uh, and it, it, it's good to see even again if there's some asterisks around here and there, it's good to see the team in a, a productive place on the pitch, off the pitch, developing some momentum uh, that that a month or two ago uh, it felt like there there wasn't at all, and also. Uh, this result is is a Minnesota United's first clean sheet in a long time. Uh, yeah since i believe the chicago game yep. uh which was months ago so 
Uh, you know, again, maybe DC United isn't a team you should be too thrilled about getting a clean sheet against, but you still got to get those. You still got to find them. You still got to figure it out. So uh, just, again, over the last week or so, a lot of productive moments from Minnesota United, which is very encouraging. Uh, and, and, and now the question just is if those can now translate to get games that aren't friendlies and aren't against bottom teams and conferences. Uh, that's obviously what tends to decide whether or not you, you do particularly well in a season. So just got to wait and see, but um, certainly some encouraging results. And this Minnesota United back line wasn't necessarily taking on a, a world beater uh, no. attacking formation in D.C., especially – when you are uh, down your two best goal scorers, your your lone all star, Taxi Fantas, uh, out of the eleven, I think they said it was a, a lower body injury. That's kind of a hockey term there. Uh, but uh, and then uh, you're also missing Ola Kamara, too, who has been your other leading goal scorer uh, for this team. So an already last place DC United squad <laughs> down their two best attacking players. It wasn't going to be well for them, but. Considering all that, I thought it was actually a, a really, ins- not inspiring, but um, a good performance from the back line overall. DJ Taylor, Michael Boxall both had to make some pretty critical um, plays to keep DC from attacking, uh, you know, getting quality goal scoring chances. Um, DSC didn't have to make a single save all night long, which is encouraging to see. Um, Kamar Lawrence, once again, had a great performance, not only in the defense, but in the attack as well. Um, getting getting involved on that left-hand side, overlapping with Fragapane, sending in cross after cross. Um, and that to me has been, we, we talked about, we've talked about Lawrence at nauseum and his performances, but, you know, that's been one of the key uh, reasons for this turnaround for Minnesota is his play along the left side of the pitch. Because not only has he sort of mimicked what Roman Metinair was able to do on the right side in 2019, 2020, even last year when Minnesota United was having success, but, He's also, I think, his ability to get forward in the attack has also, I think, helped raise the level of Franco Fragapane and sort of force activity out of Franco Fragapane that maybe we weren't seeing previous. Um, Kamar Lawrence has sent in 43 crosses in his 16 appearances with Minnesota. That's only five away from his career high, which he set in 2018 with New York, and he played in 27 matches uh, for the Red Bulls. So he's on pace to obliterate that uh, single season crossing, you know, career high of his. Um, And that's just a small indicator of the impact that he's had on this Minnesota uh, attack with his ability to get forward along the left. Um, Another thing that that you mentioned was the play of Amaria. For my money, this is Luis Amaria's best match in a Minnesota United uniform. Most complete match in a Minnesota United uniform. Um, Amaria has his, his game, his bread and butter, where he is most comfortable as sort of as a, a poaching striker. He is going to really not be too active. He's going to s- stay in the box, move around in the box, try to make himself available for his central passes, things like that. And he's going to try to score that way. He's really changed his game during this uh, positive stretch for Minnesota. He is actually getting outside the box. He is participating in the buildup for the loons, as opposed to trying to be a beneficiary of that buildup for the loons, if that makes any sense. He yeah. is the one getting out and getting touches outside the box and actually making passes. There's one stat that really stood out to me when I was doing research for my latest article at sodasoccer.com, where I kind of expand on the reasons why I think Minnesota United has been able to make this sort of turnaround. Um, 
in the first 14 matches for Minnesota this season, Luis Amaria has had 12 what they call shot-creating actions. So it's a dribble, a pass, or uh, a foul drawn that directly leads to a shot. 12 and 14 matches. And that really does coincide with his game. He's the one create, taking the shots, not necessarily creating the shots, right? What he has done over this last seven games, let's just take the po- whole post-international break for Minnesota. Over this last, over these last seven games, he has 19 of those shot-creating actions. Just in seven games. Half the games nearly double the amount of shot-creating actions. So that shows he's getting outside of the box. He's making more passes. He is doing more to sort of lift the entire attack as opposed to just trying to be that poaching striker in the box, taking shots and scoring goals that way. And it's kind of weird. He and Reynoso have sort of kind of switched roles a little bit for this team where he's sort of the one, you know, getting out in the central midfield on the wings and feeding Reynoso. And Reynoso's sort of taking that striker-esque role of putting the ball in the back of the net where Amaria is really doing a lot of the facilitating now so it's weird to see him sort of switch that almost like a freaky friday situation but it is it's really worked out for the loons and uh you know for my money is one of the biggest reasons why a reynoso has been able to turn his season around the way he has but b why you see 12 goals in this five match stretch for the loons yeah that's a great point and i mean that has become such a part of of the modern day in at least parts of the world is that idea of of a striker who can be more involved in the buildup, more involved in sort of the entire top half of the pitch, mm-hmm. um, perhaps even deeper than that. And uh, yeah, Luis Amarillo was not really doing that before. To be honest, very few Minnesota United strikers have been doing that in, in the past in general. Um, so it, it's been interesting to see that change, to see that seem to result in, in, in better performances, better results, better stats. Uh, so it, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, does that continue? Does that become sort of a long-term format for how this team plays for how Luis Amaria plays? Uh, if so, I mean, they, they seem to have found a way to make him a more productive striker. And, and that's really one of the couple little pieces that Minnesota United needed to figure out to make something of this season was, was that productivity from whoever's going to be starting at top, which seems to at this point be Luis Amaria. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see him be able to change his game, encouraging to see the team able to adjust like that. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully this, this run that he's on proves to be more than a run and, and can continue just through the entire season. So Minnesota United now looks to Saturday where they will play Houston Dynamo, a road match against a another team near the bottom of the Western Conference table. So even though you're on the road and Adrian Heath always says he's willing to take, he'll take a point on the road. And I understand that. Um, I understand that mentality because any points you can get on the road are, are valuable. But when you're talking about where this Minnesota United team is, where you want them to stay, you know, how you want the rest of this season to go. Um, I think this is a this is where you can sort of counter the SKC draw. The SKC draw during the stretch of matches was like the lone disappointing match that we've had in this, right? The match was there for the taking, even though Minnesota United was pretty much outplayed for all 90 plus minutes. Um, so there was a really sour taste coming out of the SKC match. And there was sort of that doubt that was put back in like, ooh, 
Are we going to sort of falter back into, you know, a little bit of mediocrity? Um, But they followed it up with this good win against D.C. Obviously, the Everton friendly brings a lot of confidence. This is where you can really solidify that and solidify that you're legitimately a top four contending team in the West. Because that's where you sit right now. But I think there's still a little, a lot of questions, and I think a lot of deserving questions about whether or not Minnesota can stay consistent with this form. Because they've shown flashes so many times over these last three years. And that's really where they've been able to build up the point equity to make the playoffs and be in those positions that they've been in is because of those those flashes that they've had. They'll have two or three matches where they'll get nine points out of it and then go a month without a win, right? That's just kind of how Minnesota United has played. But it's been those flashes they've been able to build up. They've been able to be good enough in those flashes to make the playoffs. We haven't really seen long-term consistency with Minnesota really at any point during their MLS tenure. Um, So it's important for them this year to do the work specifically in this match against Houston to prove that, okay, yes, we are head and shoulders better than these 10th or worst teams in the West. Like we deserve to be in this spot. We're going to show why we're six places above Houston in the standings by just going on the road and coming out with an impressive win. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a measuring stick. It's a bit of a statement game to say for Minnesota to say that they can prove that consistency this year in ways that maybe they haven't in years past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, it's sort of obvious, but strong seasons, high table finishing seasons are, are determined by more than just beating the the worst teams. You gotta, you gotta be better than, six, seven, eight, nine, you'd have to be better than the body of the table. Uh, mm-hmm. The Houston Dynamo are very much in that sort of spot right now, sort of in that lower middle average finish area, uh, albeit that could change very quickly. Uh, but that's the kind of team, now that Minnesota United sort of done, done dealt with these these bottom of the table teams in, in SKC and, and DC United, now you got to get back to it with these teams that are competing for playoff spots, competing for, you know, the playoff line. You have to show you're better than those teams. Otherwise, the, the, the middle of the West Conference is tight enough that if Minnesota United don't find points in those games, they could very quickly drop four or five spots. So um, that's, that's, that's simply where you have to prove it. You have to prove it in these sorts of games. So it'll be very interesting to see. Back on the road after a bit of a home stint, it'll be very interesting to see uh, you know, how the Loons perform. But uh, again, you know, as we've both been saying, I, I do think that these last couple matches um, provide you know reason to be positive uh, ahead of this Houston match. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how the Loons back line does against uh, their former teammates and Darwin Quintero. And we'll have to see how how the forwards. Uh, you know, continue to develop their, their form and their strategies. Uh, but but again, I, I think there's reason for, for Loons fans to be optimistic ahead of this one. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they, they live up to that. And that's a good point, Don. Even though Houston is 11th in the standings right now, uh, they are only three points off the playoff pace, right? So they're still very much on that playoff bubble. 
three big points at home against Minnesota would do a lot for them to kind of remain and improve their, their potential playoff standing. So a lot to play for, for them. They're not a bottom table team. That's sort of just punting the regular season and making their vacation plans. They are, they're very much in the thick of that Western conference race as pretty much every team in the West is Um, the only team that really looks out of it at this point is SKC, but we know what they're capable of. Um, so if Kyrie Shelton is able to turn it around specifically for Kansas city, Johnny Russell stays in form, they kind of figure out what they're doing defensively. Maybe they can even get back in the picture. So you almost at some level can't even count any team in the Western conference out yet. And so that will just make it that much more important for Minnesota to really focus on all of these matches moving forward. Um, not only to solidify their own standing, but just knowing that all of these teams specifically in the West are probably going to have something to play for at that point. Um, so That'll do it for the Minnesota United conversation. There will be a post loons following the Houston game on Saturday with yours truly. Um, and we'll see how they can fare down South. So Dom, we're going to do this a little bit differently. Usually we just go right into the next topic, right into the next conversation, which will be Minnesota Aurora, but we've had a lot of people wanting us to sort of um, split up the podcast a little bit, you know, for us to let them know, Hey, at what point in the podcast are we talking about certain topics? So if they're really into the lower league scene and then maybe they don't want to hear the loons conversation, we can sort of make it easier for them to sort of skip right to the point where they want. So we're actually going to take a little break. You're going to hear from one of our awesome sponsors who support us here on 10,000 pitches. And then when we come back, we're going to get into the Minnesota Aurora conversation. So stick around. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Okay, Minnesota United, not the only team with an impressive week. Of course, we're talking about Minnesota Aurora as they continue their dream inaugural season in the USLW League. Coming up with a clean sheet against the team that put up eight goals in their prior match. I'm talking about McLean. Um, you know, there's maybe a little bit of nerves, a little bit of uh, anxiety heading into this one. And it was anxiety inducing, nil nil into the second half. But it was the super sub. Once again, Morgan Turner goals now in five matches for the Minnesota native, the DePaul University player. And that goal is the one that lifts Minnesota Aurora to the 1-0 win, which propels them to the USLW League final, which will be Saturday night at TCO Stadium. 
Now, a little bit of an announcement. I already talked about post loons being after the Houston game. We're actually going to combine our post game shows on Saturday. So it's going to be post loons, post Aurora. Um, first 40 minutes or so will be on the Aurora match. Second 40 minutes or so will be on the loons match. So we're going to do a combined post game show, but we're going to split up the topics. But it'll be right there. Um, Twitter. Uh, on the Soda Soccer Twitter and YouTube channels. So that's how we're going to be breaking down things for Aurora and the Loons on Saturday. But before we get to talking about the final, obviously another just big moment in what has been uh, an inaugural season filled with them for Minnesota Aurora, the Morgan Turner goal, another clean sheet for Sarah Fuller that propels Minnesota to the final. Um, Just and against uh, in front of more than 6,000 people on a scorching day in uh in egan um just again another another box checked off and obviously still unfinished business for aurora heading into that final yeah i mean uh just everything everything seems to work out for minnesota aurora uh and and they Mm -hmm. just seem to be able to handle everything that gets thrown at them and just continues to be uh extremely impressive like you said, I mean, this is a McLean side that obviously had a, a very eventful quarterfinal, eight eight nil uh, win. Uh, so, not not uh, not a team that you would expect to then get clean sheeted the next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, Minnesota Aurora just continued to be able to figure out uh, every obstacle thrown their way. Uh, mm-hmm. If I were uh, the Tormenta, albeit I'm sure they're very confident. I would be nervous uh, yeah. about having to travel to TCO to take on Aurora. I, I would be uh, really wishing that the game wasn't in Minnesota because uh, yeah. I think that's a, obviously a, a big boost in this playoff run that, that Aurora put together. But they, they, yeah, I mean, they just continue to figure it out. Like you said, this game, you got to get Turner uh, off the bench to, to sort of get that goal and figure things out. But, uh, you know, they've, They've shown the ability to adapt throughout the 90 minutes to make moves, to make decisions off the bench, uh, to change things. And, and they just continue to, to show uh, just that, that state of mind and that maturity in, in the match that, that gets you this far into tournaments. So, yeah, again, I mean, it, it's just uh, impressive and, and congratulations uh, on the run that they're putting together. I think that we all thought that this would be a, a good team. And certainly as the season started, we, we saw that this would be a competitive team. I think that it's probably surpassed everybody's expectations a little bit. Although I think there were some people that certainly thought that they would um, be a really, really strong side. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, what a first year they're having, even if this game were to not result in a, a title for them, what a first season from, from Minnesota Aurora, what a, what a bar they're setting for, uh, you know, Minnesota women's soccer um, and Minnesota soccer in general. Uh, and uh, yeah, it'd be really, really cool if, if it can all end with, with the first ever USLW league title. But either way, uh, just, just an immensely prof- uh, impressive year from roster building to actual play to management to fan base. Just... Uh, one of the more impressive sort of debut years of a team that I can remember in recent memory. So uh, all, all, all the applause possible to them for, for that. 
and a quality performance from the back line for a full 90 minutes for Aurora, which we didn't necessarily see in the uh, opening match against Indy. Um, the first half was a little bit disjointed, but they were solid all match long against McLean. Uh, defender, defender Abby Ostrom gets uh, the man or the the star of the game performance uh, for Aurora as well. Um, and that the they didn't necessarily have you know a ton of quality in the attack. Um, Morgan Turner's goal was excellent, um, but they did what they had to do from the back defensively to keep a clean sheet and just know that okay, if we push one goal across, that's probably going to be enough uh, to get this done. Now they're coming in against the South Georgia Tormenta team who who really dominated their semifinal match, similar to how McLean dominated their corner final match coming into the semis, um, but not necessarily on that eight-goal level. But it was a handling from South Georgia over Greenville Liberty um, in that semifinal. I believe uh, 3-1 or 4-1 was the final there. So obviously this is going to be a quality South Georgia side coming in, uh, but Aurora is obviously a quality side in their own right. It'll be interesting to see if they can put together um, that uh, attacking capability and defending capability we know they have for 90 because we got it from the attack in the quarterfinal. We got it from the defense in the semifinal. So it's good to know that one can sort of lift the other. Um, we'll see if they can put it together for the full 90, but I think all that'll matter, obviously, um, is the result on the scoreboard, however they can get it. So again, that's Saturday night, 7 p.m. at TCO Stadium. Tickets still available. Um, mnaurora.com to uh, grab those if you want to go to the USLW League final. And again, post Loon slash post Aurora coming up after that. Before we switch topics, I just want to say what a what a inaugural season, no matter the result on Saturday. Um, not only from a roster construction standpoint from Mark Pravatsky, but Nicole Lukic for putting these pieces together and just pressing the right buttons over the course of the regular season. It's one thing to navigate a regular season and have success and make the playoffs, but to also do things that'll prepare you for the playoffs as well. We talked about every single player on the roster, all 22 players on the roster getting playing time over the course of the regular season. 17 of those players notching a goal or an assist. So obviously getting that further opportunity to contribute, right? Um, and we've seen that have to happen. We saw it with uh, Inakawa in the um in the quarterfinal having to step up and take that pk uh we've saw it on, on seen it on numerous occasions uh over this run that their depth is there but it's really only there over this short season because they've gotten the opportunity to get on the field and refine their skills and make sure that they're in top quality and so navigating such a short season with so many impact players on the roster um, that, to me, is a big reason why Nicole Lukic was named USLW League Coach of the Year and why this Aurora team has been able to have so much success, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs as well, because she just pulled the right strings time after time. She has pulled the right strings time after time during this entire run. Yeah, I mean, again, top to bottom, it's just been such an impressive operation as a person who's seen a lot of um, sort of high-level amateur or pre-professional, whatever term you prefer, uh, teams, as someone who's seen a lot of that, seen a lot of play from them, seen a lot of administrative work from them. Uh, this, this is not an easy thing to pull off, even if you have the media attention and the, the, the budget and all the season tickets and all that, that, that Minnesota Aurora earned through their, the branding side of, of their work. Uh, even when you have all that, it's not 
a simple thing to do to put together a really high level team a team that performs quickly a team that gets off the ground immediately that can maintain that performance through the season uh it's simply a very difficult thing to do so uh the the, the way they've done it the efficiency they've done it with uh the the adaptability they've shown just game to game across the season like you said so many players getting chances uh being willing to make changes through games to change the flow of the match it, it it's all just been so impressive uh from the sideline from the bench from the starters so uh again i mean they minnesota aurora have done very well to earn the attention and the the, the fandom that they're getting um and, and and that's really encouraging to see for a team that that has so much potential, sometimes teams do not use their potential very well. Uh, Minnesota Aurora is not doing that. They're they're using their potential almost with the best efficiency I've ever really seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just very encouraging to see that skill level, um, you know, in, in taking part. In uh, an important space like the development of of, of women's soccer, so um, yeah, again, I mean, there's 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 really an ever a never ending list of 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 things to say about this Minnesota Aurora season, but uh, just just truly impressed top to bottom, uh, and 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 hopeful that they can uh, add one more reason to be impressed uh, with the, the the final this weekend. So we'll we'll have to see. All right, another team who has ended their season but got a big win uh, in doing so is Minneapolis City in USL League Two. They get their first ever League Two win um, in a 1-0 victory over fellow Twin City side St. Croix Legends. Aiden Aiden O'Driscoll with the decider in the 49th um, into the top corner directly from a free kick, a really nice goal. And another thing to note, Loach Masanvi named Minneapolis City Citizens Breakout Player of the Year. Not just Breakout Player of the Year, but for for my money, Player of the Year for that whole organization. (laughs) Uh, Just scoring goals at all levels, helping contribute at all levels. Um, He was excellent. But yeah, so we've talked at nauseum about how, you know, how difficult this first season has been for Minneapolis City. I'm really excited to actually get um, you know, Matt Van Benskoten and some of those guys with the Crows on the show to sort of expand on that a little bit and talk about it from their perspective and kind of what they encountered during their first season, you know, with this sort of three-tiered system, if you will. Uh, but it ends on a high note. They send the citizens into the offseason with sort of that uh, that familiar winning feeling after the 1-0 win. Um, so it's got to be at least a small um, – a, a, small victory is way too on the nose, but sort of a, a small piece of optimism for them to take into the off season knowing, okay, we can win at this level. We proved we got to win at this level. Now, how do we build off of that moving forward and get more, more wins in our, uh, in our second season at this? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a lot of things for them to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the various squads did do, well to end all their respective years on a positive note obviously you have uh the the, the more futures side win uh the conference title in the upsl in the npsl uh you know at the end city was on a a, a bit of a run of form a couple wins uh they finished in fourth 
but on a on a relatively good note uh, in terms of the week to week results, uh, and then obviously this win against Saint Croix. You know, it, it it's good notes to end on from what you know was not a great year outside of the UPSL. Um, I think that again they have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. I think that well, one thing that'll be interesting to see is you know th- there is an obstacle or issue or problem ahead, which is that the expectations for this team are to do better than they did this year. So how do you do that? How do you how do you move through that while doing the system that they're doing? Um, there are short-term solutions and long-term solutions. You know, I think what I think they will probably do is stick to the program, push through it, figure this out, you know, just take next year as, as another step and, and continue to find a way to make this work in these three leagues. I think there are, uh, you know, more harsh short-term short, uh, yeah, short-term ways to, to address it like, you know, cutting down to two leagues or something like that. But um, I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think that they'll probably be sticking to the plan that they put forward, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I would not blame them for because, I mean, the plan's the plan. You got to let the program grow and exist before you decide to cancel it. So um, I, I do think that 2023, you know, is going to be an interesting year for all three of these forms of this team i don't know if it's going to be dramatically better than this year i imagine it will will be better um they're going to have to obviously still be dealing with all these other teams getting better just like them uh so that'll be interesting to see but again i mean they they are going about something that is very complicated to pull off uh complicated from an administrative level complicated from a player perspective it's one reason why Lower Kinsanvi's performance this year has been so impressive is that, frankly, it's not possible for some athletes to compete at the rate that he was competing this year. Um, that That's probably part of why they had a, a large issue with injuries uh, this season. Uh, not him specifically, but with other players. Uh, and, and so, again, they have a lot to think about. Uh, but what I expect because of the, the you know, the the determination of this organization over the years is that you know next year it's going to be all right we got to figure out a way to do better in all three of these leagues how do we do that uh i think there's a way for them to figure that out uh, i do think that you know my preseason thing i was saying all the time was that i think year five of this is going to be great and year one's going to be tough i don't think year two is necessarily going to be great but i do think that year two is going to be an important step to getting to year five so yep. um It'll be really interesting to see what 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 the Crows decide to do with this offseason in terms of pool development, player development, and uh, really looking forward to seeing, you know, how these these bright moments, particularly at the end of the season, translate into twenty twenty three, where, you know, uh, their their fans who were were really dedicated and showed up for this team regardless of the results this season, I'm sure will still be hoping for improvement and hoping to to be able to watch some more wins at home and and that sort of thing. So. Uh, again, I mean, Minneapolis City are one of the talking points for the offseason now, now that things are largely done. Uh, you know, even if they didn't make the, the postseason in, in, in two of those leagues, there's still a talking point. There's still something to discuss. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see the decisions made by the coaches, by the ownership, by the administrative level. 
um, just as to how do we, uh, particularly in the NPSL and the USO League too, how do we find ways to turn, you know, uh, one win in USO League two, I think it was four or five wins in, in the NPSL. How do we add a couple more of that? How do we add a couple draws to those? How do we add a couple points to those tallies? Uh, and how do we get to that sort of year five point where all three leads are doing, are going great for Minneapolis city. Um, yeah. It'll be really interesting. It'll be really interesting. So looking forward to it. And uh, and yeah, great great for them to end the year on a good note on all three leads. Obviously at sort of the midpoint, things were not looking that way. Uh, and, and so again, great for those fans and those players, a lot of developing young players to have that good positive note to, to end a, a tough summer on. Yeah, I think from my vantage point, I, I kind of hope they do keep with sort of the long-term perspective because we saw that the sort of the bottom portion of that of that system was the most successful one with the Minneapolis City Futures, right? They made the national that they won their their conference, the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division, and then they moved on to compete in the national playoffs. They were the only team to really get silverware out of that Minneapolis City program and it kind of advanced to that stage. And so when you look at that, that actually brings a lot of long-term confidence that this is the right way to do things moving forward because logic would dictate that as those players sort of continue their progression through this system, that they'll make greater impacts at the NPSL level and eventually the USL League 2 level, right? So, um, you know, we'll see if they do make any – I'm sure they'll make some tweaks to it, obviously. Um, I don't think they went in thinking that year one was going to be the perfect iteration of what this is going to be long-term. But I do hope that they don't make any make too many knee jerk reactions to this the quote unquote lack of success that they had in the, over this first year, because I think we saw with the futures that no pun intended, but the future could be very bright for how this whole Minneapolis mm-hmm. City system operates. So um, obviously, we'll we'll hope to get John and Matt and all those guys on the show um, moving forward in the off season here to sort of give their thoughts on how this first year went and kind of how they plan to operate things moving forward. Um, very interested in that conversation. Um, elsewhere, moving over to the WPSL. Now we talked last week about how Salvo were making the trip to Colorado to play an early morning match against the Colorado Rapids women's side. Um, they, in the first round of the WPSL national playoffs, uh, it was Salvo falling to the Rapids one nil. Um, so that ends their season. Their only loss of the 2022 campaign after going through the Northern conference undefeated. So obviously still a great year for Salvo in the WPSL, but it does come into an end in the first round of those national playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, a tough note to end on obviously making that long trip and, and, and coming away with a loss, but a really impressive year from Salvo, uh, you know, at the, at the individual level, at the organization level, uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna get that first loss, it's a pretty respectable place to get it once you're in the the playoff picture. So, uh, great year from them, very encouraging. Great that we can have that sort of season happening with Salvo, this sort of season happening with Aurora at the same time uh, in in Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, t- tough uh, tough road trip in the end, but uh, one nil certainly not a result to be ashamed of. And, uh, and and a, a really strong season for them overall. And then in the NPSL, this is where things are getting interesting. So Med City beat Joy Athletic 2-0 to win, over their first, to win their first ever NPSL North Conference title. And they secured the second seed in the playoffs, which sort of gave them that quote-unquote first-round bye um, 
uh, away from the quarterfinals. So they advanced right to the semifinals. Um, where Duluth did have to play you know, one of those quote-unquote play-in matches, one of those regional quarterfinals. Uh, but unlike last year, where they fell to Carpathia in the same situation at home, they took care of business against FC Columbus on Wednesday night, uh, winning 3-1 to one the final. Uh, Duluth goals from Katza Demaratsky, Blake Perry, and Keegan Chastley securing things for that 3-1 to one win in the 91st minute. Um, so now Duluth will go play the hosts, Muskegon Risers in the regional semifinals on Friday, while Med City will face two-time defending Midwest regional champions Cleveland SC in the semifinals. So if either or both of the NPSL Northerners want to advance to that regional final, they are going to have to earn it as uh, Duluth takes on the number one seed and Med City takes on the uh, two-time defending champs. Yeah, it's a, it's a hill to climb for both teams, but I will say that I think this might you know, be the two strongest or two of the strongest, what am I trying to say? This might be one of the best pairings of, of teams the North has, you know, sent to the, to the playoffs uh, just, just in general. I mean, the, these two teams are really strong top to bottom, great coaches, great organization. Um, I, I, I think that there's reason to believe at least one of them make it to the final I don't think it's wild to think that both could. Uh, they obviously have to deal with with some some pretty tough opposition. But for what it's worth, you know, you look at uh, uh, Cleveland and and, and Muskegon. Both their seasons uh, were tough for them. They did not necessarily thrive. Um, Cleveland won their conference with some matches in hand, but they did not have you know great points per game or anything like that. They did not dominate. Muskegon didn't win theirs till the last week of, of, yeah. of conference play. So, uh, and the team that the team that kept close with them conceded after 30 seconds against Duluth. So, you know, I, I, I think there's some reason to, uh, to be hopeful for both Duluth and, and, and Med City. I think both teams are in really good form right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I am optimistic about the idea of, uh, of the Midwest title coming, coming back to Minnesota with one of them. Uh, it'd be really interesting if they, if they played each other in the final, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but I, I, I have a, a certain level of confidence that at least one of them will be in that final and whoever that is, will will have a, a, a real shout at winning it, which would be really awesome. Uh, so yeah, you know, again, uh, Really, really looking forward to seeing how this plays out for Duluth. There's a little bit of uh, of uh, of a potential poetic return here in the sense that you know 2018 they beat the second place team in the Great Lakes Conference. They go to Michigan. They win the whole thing. Um, they're doing now. They're in a similar situation here for Med City. Obviously, it's just the first time at this level of the tournament. You know, you already got your first title now. Keep that momentum going. You got so many great players. Uh, so for both of them, lots of reasons to be excited. Uh, you know, it, it, it's important to remember for both these teams have some of the best stats of the Midwest. Med City won the, the conference by a point. These two teams are really good and they're pretty neck and neck. Uh, so again, 
really, really optimistic about the idea of, of that Midwest title returning to Minnesota uh, for the first time in a little while. And uh, really interested to see, uh, you know, how, how Cleveland as, as the two time reigning champs compare to, to this, this new uh, generation of, of talent that they're going to have to deal with. Um, one more note for, for Duluth, you know, I, I think this is a, a great, obviously last year they led against Carpathia at home for quite a while and gave up a, a late lead or gave up their lead late rather and lost on penalties, sort of a sudden crash um, in their return to the playoffs and in, in, in Sean Morgan's first year. So great to see them figure that one out. Uh, they scored in the first minute and in the 91st minute of this game and in the middle as well. So uh, they, they, they truly controlled this match and they, they, they truly won this match about as much as it, as you can. So, uh, and by the way, two goals from uh, Duluth and an Anoka natives. Uh, so that that's cool as well. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, just to, to return to my point, I, I'm really optimistic about these two teams playoff pitchers. I think at least one of them uh, will be in that final. And I think whoever makes it has a really, really good chance of, of bringing that, that region title home. So great stuff for the MPSL North, two great representatives of, of the conference out there in, in Michigan and uh, best of luck to both of them. And if you listen to last week's 10K stoppage time, we kind of went in depth on this Midwest regional playoff bracket and sort of how results would dictate, um, you know, how where that bracket lies. But another topic that we talked about within that was how this affects uh, U.S. Open Cup qualifying and how um, these regional semifinal matchups really are key drivers to who may make the U.S. Open Cup in 2023. Um, and if you can make the top eight, you know, the MPSL, you know, realistically if the top eight teams in the MPSL play well enough they will probably all qualify for the open cup and these regional semifinals are sort of the round of 16 in the national MPSL playoffs so if you make that national quarter final it does really put you in an advantageous position for potentially making the following year's U.S. Open Cup and so that's the opportunity that both Med City and Duluth have on Friday too. Obviously, they want to advance in the playoffs and and do their thing in the MPSL, but it also plays a huge, huge, huge factor in potential U.S. Open Cup qualifying, which is a big, um, a big platform, potential big platform for these squads as well. So, uh, a lot to play for there too uh, on Friday night. So it's uh, I believe it's Med City and Cleveland SC first, and then followed up with the host Muskegon Risers taking on Duluth in the nightcap on Friday. So a lot of fun to be had in the MPSL Midwest regional playoffs. Uh, but we wrap up our lower league segment this week in Wapassel, as we always do. Um, Hayward Wolfpack getting a big win, knocking off Union in an exciting 5-3 thriller. Uh, so that keeps them near the top while Union sort of continues to um, fall away from the top of the Wapassel table. Uh, Lobos, big week, blasting Spartan. 10 nil and 15 to one uh, Poskin jets have a tough trip to Eau Claire as uh Bateau top them seven nil and uh, or Bateau top Poskin jets seven nil union Eau Claire uh, win uh, eight to one. So the way the table lies right now, it's um, it's Bateau and Lobos kind of tie the top the table right now on points, but Bateau do have the goal differential advantage and then looming right there in third is Hayward. 
looking to see if any of those top, top two falter, they will they will slot in and potentially get that top two spot to play in the Wapasso Championship. So um, a lot of uh, interesting uh, results, but I think the big one, obviously with Bateau and Lobo staying to the top, was that Hayward sort of uh, won that battle for third, if you will, with Union Eau Claire and keep within striking distance of the top two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for Hayward, a you know, team that had a lot of expectation, you at the very least need to to be on the edge there and, and be in position to, to jump on either uh, Lobos or Bateau, depending on who, who drops points first. So, um, yeah, good, good result for them. Obviously, their loss earlier in the season to Union was sort of what, what triggered their, their, their drop out of the top area on the table. So uh, a little redemption there. And, uh, and yeah, interesting title race continuing to form in, in Wapassel, albeit, you know, Bateau certainly uh, on top of that one, but um, continues to be reason for each team to be playing, continues to be reason to, to, to hope for, for success from all three of, of Bateau, Lobos, and, and Hayward. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things continue to play out. Um, but again, yeah, encouraging for Hayward at the very least to, to stay on that sort of edge of that that uh, qualifying for the final so to say um and uh you know that they should certainly be expecting at the very least to be there so uh but yeah just uh continues to be an entertaining season lobos and bateau certainly doing their job of staying up in those top two positions scoring goals uh but uh will be interesting to see if 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 bateau uh do falter at some point because there's certainly multiple clubs waiting to take advantage of it All right, that'll do it for lower league coverage. Going to take another slight break here. And when we come back, we're wrapping things up like we always do with top four. Stick around. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th Street MPLS. That's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T. MPLS on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NightStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Night Street, Minneapolis, or online at NightStreetMPLS.com. All right, time to bring this episode of 10,000 Pitches to a close, as we always do, Dom, with our top four. Sort of just four news stories outside of sort of the local match news that we always talk about, right? Just uh, four more stories that might be relevant to soccer, soccer in Minnesota, or sometimes, if they're crazy enough, maybe not even soccer-related at all. Uh, But all four stories are news-related this week. Uh, Dom, why don't you kick us off? 
Sure. So uh, my first one's a, a quick shout out that uh, something I saw uh, through Med City's uh, social media amidst the post celebrating their North Conference title was uh, that a former Med City player, uh, Alan uh, Chambry uh, Westmeyer, has uh, signed a, a new contract with the team in, in Malta in the Maltese Premier League. Uh, Piatta Hotspurs, I'm going to say is how you pronounce it. I apologize. I don't know for sure. Uh, but uh, so, you know, cool to see a, a former Med City player getting a new pro contract in Europe, uh, in Malta, which is, uh, you know, a country, a lot of players of that sort of level uh, sort of use as a jumping off point into professional football, particularly internationally. So uh, congrats to him on, on, on his new contract. Hopefully a, a good season ahead for him. And uh, again, just just cool to see uh, NPSL North players sort of continue to scatter across the the globe um as professionals you know there there's there's a, quite a few actually at this point who have at least one season of of npsl north experience so uh again just congrats to alan and, and best of luck with uh, the upcoming season yeah definitely that's uh that's an awesome little another feather in the cap of the npsl north and the type of players they can uh they can produce obviously we already talked about emmanuel eway making his first team debut with the loons uh in the everton friendly and now you have another uh former northerner um who is going to be in a a top tier side in malta there so very very cool um my first of my two is um just kind of other mls europe results this is actually a pretty big unprecedented week for mls sides taking on top tier clubs in europe um charlotte uh, or minnesota was not the only team to get a win over a premier league side on wednesday night as uh the newest expansion club in mls charlotte fc top chelsea and penalty kicks winning that penalty kick shootout five three i didn't even know that these friendlies were going to pks after 90 if things were level but that was the case in uh in Charlotte, I don't even know if the people who put these together even thought that we would be level after 90 minutes <laughs> in these in these friendlies. So right. I got to wonder if that was always the plan, or if that was just sort of a last ditch uh, decision to uh, get a get a winner in penalty kicks. But pretty cool for Charlotte um, getting a win over Chelsea in front of a packed crowd there um, at their stadium. And then uh, one of the more interesting stories during this week was that Inter Miami were playing Barca, and Phil Neville announced that both. He and David Beckham's sons were actually going to be playing for Inter Miami in this friendly, uh, but it is Barca who blasts Inter Miami six nil. Now I should say that their sons play for Inter Miami too, so it wasn't I guess too yeah. out of the ordinary that the two MLS Next Pro players are going to get up and get on the pitch for um, for the uh, for the main squad against uh, Barca, but just sort of a, an interesting little anecdote there. Um, DC falls to Byron 6-2 and then Arsenal, um, uh, or Orlando keeps it close against Arsenal, but ends up falling three to one. So, I mean, that's what one, two, three, four, five, if you count the loons, five matches with MLS clubs taking on top tier European competition. Um, pretty cool for MLS to get that sort of platform and to get that opportunity. And obviously a couple of the clubs took full advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 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 in the meantime, um, I think two different teams have pl- played. I think Chelsea played America in Las Vegas earlier yep. this week. You know, there's been some some like Liga MX in the U.S. matches as well. I think Manchester City um, just played America as well. Uh, yep. So you know, a lot of cool, interesting 
uh, mingling of, of those top European sides with the United States, which is always fun. Uh, and cool to see competitive matches. Obviously, some of those were more one-sided, but uh, but you know, yeah, that Orlando Arsenal match was was tight, pretty late. I think that third goal came in just kind of at the end, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously Charlotte and, and, and Minnesota United getting wins. Uh, I, I will add that Charlotte game. Yeah, I don't know if the players realized that it was going to penalties actually at first <laughs> because I, I watched the last chunk of that game because it was after the Loons game was done, and. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there seemed to be confused. There was conversations happening with players and the referees, and some of the players seemed to not. Chelsea players particularly seemed to be confused as to why they were doing penalties. Anyway, it was a good time, and 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 Charlotte won, which is which is fun. And um, uh, their first penalty taker, who whose name I, I I'm forgetting, uh, actually Penenka, uh Mendy, which yep. was which was fun. Uh, and, so then, was, and then a Chelsea player tried paninking yeah, later, and it did not work out well at all. So. No, he just shot it down the middle, like, rolling it. I don't know what he thought he was – yeah, not great. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so anyway, it's just fun. Fun to see those collaborations happen. I know that, you know, again, people sometimes talk about, well, the matches don't – they're not for a competition, obviously. Yes, that's true. That's what a friendly is. Uh, but but it's fun to see those interactions, and obviously you get a lot of people that come out and, and interact. Um, and sometimes you get people who only watch European leagues, who live in the United States, who these sorts of matches are how they decide they should probably pay a little more attention to, you know, the soccer being played in and around them rather than just on the other side of the planet. And uh, and that that's a great you know bonus for for uh, MLS teams in this situation too. So yeah, really really cool and uh, and great to see MLS actually compete in some of those matches. Um, yeah, Dom. What else you got? Yeah, my my second one is uh, it's just a, a quick shout out to um, uh, Spam FC co-founder. Uh, I believe he's actually been on Ten K as a guest before. Uh, Numerous times. Yeah. Uh, who uh, received a, a first decade award from Augsburg, uh, where he, he attended uh, college and played, also played at Milwaukee, um, as part of the class of 2011, just for, for his achievements uh, in and outside of soccer. Obviously, a big part of, of Span, Span FC and their um, scholarship program that they do, in addition to, of course, also playing in, in the MASL. Uh, and, uh, and he does lots of other things outside of soccer. So he's written a children's book and he does all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff. He's a very multifaceted person. Uh, but just, you know, he, he's a great ambassador uh, for Minnesota soccer and the Minnesota soccer community. And, and very cool to see uh, his uh, alma mater, uh, you know, celebrate him and, and, and acknowledge him like that. So just, uh, yeah, shout out, shout out uh, to him for, for, for getting that, uh, that first decade award. Yeah, well deserved. I mean, the work that that Van and the you know the Spam FC program do in the in the community with their scholarship foundation and things like that. You know, we have Van on every year that the scholarship, uh, you know, the scholarships open, and um, it's just it's such a cool thing that they're doing, um, and obviously helping out uh, young kids in the process is is always a plus. So um, very very well deserved for Van to get that honor. Um, my final thing here is um, it has kind of on, in the same vein of the MLS European friendlies that we uh, talked about, but potentially the most uh, attended friendly on U.S. soil will be this weekend, actually this Saturday at Lambeau Field 
in Green Bay, Bayern and Manchester City to play in front of a record crowd of 75,000 at Lambeau. It'll be packed in Green Bay for that one. More than double the previous record for a soccer match in Wisconsin, which was set in 2014. Now, there's an interesting tie-in here, Dom. So um, that previous match was uh, in front of uh, 31,000-plus at Miller Park in Milwaukee, yeah. which is where uh, the Brewers play. And that was between Chivas Guadalajara and Swansea. Now, I believe, Dom, this was the same trip for Swansea where they lost to Minnesota at the NSC. I believe they either played Minnesota before or after this one. So um, kind of a weird six degrees of separation there. But, uh, yeah, going to be kind of a cool atmosphere at Lambeau on Saturday for Bayern and, and Man City. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say, as a side note, there's something hilarious to me about the idea of Chivas and Swansea playing a friendly in Wisconsin. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know why. That, that, that's just the most interesting, <laughs> strange. A Mexican and a Welsh club coming to Wisconsin to play a friendly. <laughs> there's something about that that doesn't compute. But, no. but you know, anyway. Um, I say that, but but uh, Ford Madison have hosted a Mexican opposition a couple of times, so yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, really cool. The, this Byron City game at Lambeau apparently going to be an absolutely huge crowd. Uh, you know, I, I've always thought that that the Bundesliga should market heavier to places like Wisconsin that have huge German American populations. Like I always thought that that should be like something, a connection that should be made. Uh, clearly, mm -hmm. a lot of people going to this one. Uh, so yeah, really, really interesting to see that. Cool to see, you know, obviously soccer at a more grassroots level continuing to develop a lot in Wisconsin in the last several years at the pro and sort of pre-pro level. And uh, yeah, cool to see all that complemented by this sort of huge, um, I mean, Champions League level, uh, you know, two teams yeah. uh, playing at Lambeau. So uh, yeah, again, just uh, really cool. Really cool to see that happening in Wisconsin. And hopefully those 75,000 people have a, have a good time. All right, and we had a good time. We hope you had a good time uh, listening to this week's episode of 10,000 Pitches. If you could, head over to patreon.com slash sodasoccer. If you subscribe to our $5 tier or better, um, you will get this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time, where we kind of give you the full prof profile and full breakdown of rumored Minnesota United signing Mender Garcia. So if you want to know about him, Check out 10K Stoppage Time right now on patreon.com slash sodasoccer. And as far as 10,000 pitches goes, we will catch you next week for another edition. Thank you for tuning in to our 100th episode. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.